with our subject matter, uh, taking time to talk with God, and we're going to be into the book of Acts over the next several weeks, uh, prayer in the book of Acts. So the book of Acts is uh, still being written. I know what's canonized for us, uh, you know, there is an an end uh, to this book as far as uh, biblically, but uh, the book of Acts is, uh, is still uh, being written in because this is the story of the church and the church is still here and the church is still doing the works of Jesus. And it, it's one of the, the uh, anomalies. It is one of the real interesting uh, caveats and in, in about, about scripture is that uh, this is uh, such a rich book. And there's a lot of different ways uh, to look at its content but uh, for our purposes, we're going to be looking at how prayer was so impactful and, the, and, and what it, the difference that it made, not only in the life of those that were praying, but in the culture and in the world at that time. And so as, as we get into the book of Acts, of course, uh, the writer of the book of Acts is Luke. And Luke wrote, of course, his gospel and then uh, continued to write. And uh, the book's... Uh, so it went Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and then it just transitioned into the book of Acts. And so when uh, the church uh, fathers were, were looking at how do, we, how do we canonize or how do we, you know, go ahead and, and distinguish the different books that are going to be presented as uh, the Word of God, uh, there was certain criteria that they had to pass. And uh, he gave such a, a great... Uh, uh, because Luke being a physician, he wrote systematically, he wrote chronologically, he wrote according to timelines. And and they said this is such a, a unique piece of literature inspired by the Holy Spirit that uh, for study purposes, we have to separate it. And, and so, uh, but it was originally written as one long letter. And uh, and I, I don't even know how they begin to to interpret it or cipher because I can't even read a physician's writing. Can you guys? And so somehow, you know, they they and they didn't have typewriters back then and or any of the the fancy equipment that we have. But as we look at this, uh, I want to pick up in now the twelfth verse, and the the disciples are gathered. Uh, unfortunately, at this time, they're they're one short. Judas uh, hung himself. Uh, the regret uh, upon betraying Jesus and the remorse, you know, caused him to take his own life. And <clears throat> but there's 11 of the disciples that are are gathered in the upper room upon the commandment of, of Jesus after his resurrection to go to Jerusalem. Not many days from now, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, after his resurrection, spent 40 days teaching the early disciples and the apostles about the kingdom of God. And that's going to be my subject matter starting on this Sunday. I'm going to be talking about the kingdom. It's a very important and necessary piece of instruction that we we need to really grasp in the day that we're living in. So Jesus, after his resurrection, he appeared to his disciples and he ascended on high. But then he was with his earliest followers for 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of God. 
And then there was a 10-day window when they were in Jerusalem in an upper room. And that's the window we're looking at right now. And it's, and it's, it's the window between Passover is when Christ was crucified and gave his life and Pentecost. So 50 days after Passover came the Feast of Pentecost. It was another of the early spring festivals for the Jewish people, but it also had prophetic uh, implications as far as for the Messiah and what he would provide. And and so let's continue here now in verse 12. It says, yeah, this is a, a picture into the upper room prayer meeting. It says, uh, then they returned to Jerusalem from the, the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Ha- have you ever thought about a Sabbath day journey? What is that? It, it's different than, than traveling on any other day as a Jewish uh, person. Uh, the Sabbath, you could only travel so far. So this is only a half mile or three-fourths of a mile. For, so the, from the Mount of Olivet to Jerusalem is a half mile or three-quarters of a mile, either how the crow flies or, or how your feet walk. Um, how many of you know there's probably five ways to get to your house and not all of them are the same distance? So So it is from the Mount of Olivet, you know, uh, to the city of Jerusalem. So it's just a Sabbath day journey. So uh, if if you're a slow walker, it's a 10-minute it's a walk. It's just a half mile. And if you're one of those speed walkers, like Chris Paul on the, on the TV commercial, you know, the NBA player. I'm probably talking Greek right now to some of you ladies. And uh, he walks really fast because he gave up, he gave up uh, basketball and he was going to pre- become a professional walker. And I always thought those professional walkers, this is just, maybe I'm in one of these moods tonight, sort of look like Donald Duck on steroids, like a duck waddling, you know. I mean, you know, but somehow I guess you got to get your whole body into it to go fast. And uh, sorry, Kelly, I'll try to be more pastoral tonight here. So just put up with me for a few minutes. So it's, it's only, let's say, a 10 to 12 minute walk. For them, so that that's not a whole day. Uh, that's just a portion of the day because it was a day of rest. It was a day where, where was set aside uh, for them to to prepare and themselves spiritually, and to prepare themselves physically and emotionally for the responsibilities of the upcoming week. And and so this was a, a Sabbath, a, a time of rest, and. And then it says in verse 13, and when they had entered, they went to the upper room uh, where they were staying. And now it's going to name the 11 disciples and now who are also known as the apostles of the Lamb. It says Peter, James and John, Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, uh, Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. And it says, and they all continued with one accord. Notice the next phrase in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So um, as you continue to read down through the text, which we'll do uh, in the upcoming weeks, and we get into chapter 2, there's 120 people in this upper room. That's how many are in there. Now, upon Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to over 500 people, and he invited 500 people to the upper room. How many people showed up? One in four. One in four showed up. Now, that's Jesus himself, the resurrected Savior, appearing to 500 people 
giving them a personal invitation, go to the upper room. Think about that. One in four responded and were obedient. I always ask myself, what is wrong with mankind? It just shows sometimes that we don't get it the first time. We don't understand it the first time. The good news is, is that Jesus didn't give up on the 380 that did not show up. He kept working with them, trying to get them to take a step of faith. So if you've ever felt like you've been one of those that have drug your feet in obeying God, don't worry. God will stay with you and help you to pick your feet up and to follow him. So 120 are in the upper room and in their they're going to be there for 10 days. So they're not quite sure what to expect. They're just there out of obedience. Jesus said, you're going to receive power from on high. Go there and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They have no idea what that means. They just know that this guy that was a dead, our Savior is alive. And so that within itself caused them to obey, gave them faith to obey. And now they are here. And so what they begin to do, though, is very commendable. They begin to pray. Because when you don't know what to do and you don't know what to expect, and yet the Lord's asked you to do something, what's the best thing to do? Pray. If God's put something on your heart, you don't know how it's going to happen, you don't know when it's going to happen, you don't know where it's going to happen, the best thing to do is pray. Now, we can read on and and and. But let's just stop here for a minute. He, he never said in, in 10 days on Pentecost, heaven is going to open up. The, a sound of a mighty rushing wind is going to come. Cloven tongues as a fire is going to sit on each and every one of you. And you all are going to speak in a brand new tongue. He never said that. What he said is just go to Jerusalem. And not many days from now, you will be filled with power from on high. The word power is where we get the word ability. I, the Spirit is going to be able, is going to give you the ability to live out your faith because it's not in uh, the power of our flesh. It's in the power of the Spirit. So they are, they are now alive unto the Lord. They are followers of the Lord, believers in the Lord. They're disciples of the Lord. But, and now they're doing something on their own for the very first time without Jesus telling them to pray, they're praying. Remember early in this, in this series, they asked Jesus, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us how to pray? And he taught them how to pray. And not a prayer from memory and not a prayer just to be recited, but he taught them principles of prayer. When you pray, pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven. In other words, Realize that he's not only my father, he's going to be your father. And talk to him as a father. Talk to him in that way. Talk to him. This is, a, this is Jesus teaching them covenant prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Always start off with adoring and, and, and honoring the Lord. You know, our prayer needs to be directed towards him. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So within the framework of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray, he taught them how to cover every need that they would face in life. Every need. And and not only for themselves, but for others. And, And that's probably what they're beginning to do. They're beginning to understand that their connection with with the Lord is now going to be primarily through prayer. That Jesus is resurrected. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. But Scripture says that the one who made the ear, can he not hear? So the Lord, the one who created your ear, he also has an ear. And his ear, the psalmist said, is open to the prayer of his children. So once we're created in his image and his likeness, so when you're praying, you're not just praying out in the atmosphere, you're praying to your father who is in heaven. You're praying and he hears your prayers and he responds when you pray. And when we pray in faith, he's active in our life. He's active in his world. He's active in your family. He's acting. He's active at your workplace. He's, he's orchestrating and and networking things so that his name would be glorified. It's this amazing truth, this, this God who, who sees all and knows all, you know, has invited us into this relationship where he's saying, you know, I desire fellowship with you. I desire to hear your prayers. I desire for you to commune and to have confidence to, to converse with me. And for some people, you know, it's, it's easier and others, you know, it's, it's a slow process. I, I know for me that I learned uh, by being in the church, by listening to people who I knew had a relationship with God pray, how they talked with God was so inspiring to me and encouraging. And, and, it, it, and I learned just by listening to them and how they presented their petitions before the Lord, how they brought the word of God back to the Lord, how they humbled themselves before the Lord, how they were thankful and, and appreciative. And, and it did, and it wasn't just something off the top of their head. It, it, it wasn't like twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder where there are. It, it was, uh, it was real. There was a presence that was with it. There was power that was with it. There was intentional, uh, you know, words that were used and, and mannerisms and ways in which they interacted. And I was inspired. And, and so I, I just, that's one of the reasons that we're carving out some time uh, on Wednesday nights to pray because, uh, you know, when we pray together, we grow together and we grow in our confidence and we grow in as far as being able to see, uh, you know, the kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So they were praying. The second thing I want you to know, that the word supplication. The word supplication is a, is a type of prayer. Uh, we'll talk about that more as we get into the book of Acts. But they were praying and it said and supplicating or with supplication. Uh, the word supplication means it's a request, but it's just not any type of request. Usually it's a request on somebody else's behalf in Scripture. It's not always, but a majority of time when, we're, we're, when supplication is used in Scripture, it's on behalf of another individual. 
for a need that's present in their life. So, and the, uh, the spirit of this word is that one would humbly make a request by the bowing of their knee. Humbly make a request by bowing their knee. And this reminds me of what Paul prayed for the churches. For this cause, he's talking about prayer, for the cause of prayer, I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're talking about humility, not only of heart, but also of posture, you know, where we would just get down on a knee and we would acknowledge who we're talking to in a physical way. We would acknowledge his greatness, his goodness, his glory, and that we would bow our knee to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'm going to finish with this and then we're going to go over the outline. You guys ready? Scripture says, Every tongue will confess, but what is it also about? Every knee will bow and say that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I want to encourage you to find a place, sometimes beside your bed, maybe you have a nice chair or uh, a comfortable place where you can bow your knee in your home and pray. Now, I like to walk and pray. Uh, I'm sort of a, a, a walker and prayer. But there are times where I just, in my office, one of the next pieces of furniture I I think I might purchase is a kneeler just for my office. Because I I think the Lord is worthy of bowing our knee to physically. Can I get an amen? And there's something very healthy about that. Because we're lowering ourselves and we're exalting him. We're acknowledging that he is the high and exalted one. There's something that's very healthy about that for our own well-being. You know, we, uh, we don't need to get so comfortable with God that we get real casual. He's still the Lord and there's none beside him. And we need to remember the audience in which we've been invited into, his presence. And keep it holy, keep it respectful, keep it real. He doesn't mind that you talk to him in a way that you talk. But always make sure that you talk to him in a very respectful and honoring way because there's none like him. There's none beside him. Okay. I've used an acrostic for the book of Acts. And so prayer is not meant to be something that we do out of duty or obligation. There's no formula with prayer. Let's not make it a formula. But there are some principles and some things that I believe that we can all agree with. And so I've used four words to describe prayer in the book of Acts. And we'll see all of this in the upcoming days. We'll see adoration. We're just people just adoring and ministering unto the Lord and worshiping him, giving him thanks. You'll see confession. You'll see people bringing their request and their sins and confessing their faults and shortcomings before the Lord. And you'll also see people confessing their need for God to intervene. God, if you don't intervene, nothing will change. How many of you know that parenting sometimes is the, the, the greatest and, and most humbling of privileges and the hardest of privileges in life? 
listen, sometimes confession, God, I need help with my kids. Or would you help my kids? Would you minister to my kids? Would you intervene in? That's confession. God, I need your help. I'm confessing that before you freely, openly, honestly. All right. We're going to see that in the book of Acts. Thanksgiving. You're going to see Thanksgiving interwoven in prayer through the book of Acts. And last is the supplication, which I just talked about. Humble request. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.